Up next, Southeastern graduate and senior at Mississippi Valley State University, T.J. Edwards, returns to Authentically Detroit for the second week in a row to discuss the experience and impact of growing up with an incarcerated parent, incarcerated parents for that matter. But first, this week's hot takes from Bridge Detroit. Civil rights groups want Detroit to stop water shutoffs and extend moratorium and core city organizers opposition to concrete crushing plant. Keep it locked. Authentically Detroit starts after these messages. Founded in 2021, the Stoudemire is a membership-based community recreation and wellness center centrally located on the east side of Detroit. Membership in the Stoudemire is available on a sliding scale for up to $20 per year or 20 hours of volunteer time. The Stoudemire offers art, dance, and fitness classes, community meetings and events, resource fairs, pop-up events, the neighborhood tech hub, and more. Members who are residents of the east side have access to exclusive services in the wellness network. Join today and live well, play well, be well. Visit ecndetroit.org. Bridge Detroit is your news and engagement platform that is telling the stories of Detroiters rooted by community priorities. Started in 2020 by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Stephen Henderson, the newsroom has already established its footing as the go-to source for hyper-local perspectives that asks the hard questions, brings accountability, and searches out real solutions. It's free to become a member of this award-winning news organization. Visit BridgeDetroit.com today to sign up to receive the news delivered right to your inbox. Bridge Detroit. By Detroiters. For Detroiters. Hey, y'all, it's Orlando. We just want to let you know that the views and opinions expressed during this podcast episode are those of the co-hosts and guests and not their sponsoring institutions. Now, let's start the show. Hello, Detroit and the world. Welcome to another episode of Authentically Detroit, broadcasting live from the WDET studios. We are a content partner to BridgeDetroit.com. I'm Orlando Bailey, and I want to thank you for listening in and supporting our efforts to build a platform of authentic voices for real people in the city of Detroit. We want you to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on all platforms. This week, we have TJ Edwards, founding member of the Vault Ting Center and former ECN Teen Advisory Committee leader back in the studio today donna is on vacation she's taking christmas vacation early <laughs> this christmas will be a very special christmas for her and her husband because they away and i'm still here in the studio but tj is here <laughs> with me for the second week in a row tj how is this day finding you uh this day is finding me quite well Quite well. I did a little bit of um, Christmas shopping for the kids. Okay. I can't wait to hear more about that, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing Christmas shopping today. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, not too much. Not I'm too a, much. Uh, you know, still a, a broke college student. You're still a broke college student? Yeah. But people can probably help out, right? Yeah. We're going to give people a number to call if they want to donate to the cause that you are championing. I can never say that word. Championing. <laughs> Here in the city of Detroit, making sure that uh, young folks who have parents who are incarcerated uh, get uh, their Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all right. You know, today, you know, this week, it's the week before Christmas. 
And I feel like my body is sort of like being burnt out on both ends. It's like it's shutting down in break mode. Like I'm doing work, but I don't want to do no work. Yeah. I'm here in the studio. And as much as I like coming in and seeing everybody, it's like, man, will when will we actually, you know, like get the break? I wanted right. to pull a Donna Givis Davidson and just be like, you know what, deuces, I'm out. But vacation, you know, maybe, you know, next week, maybe we'll be able to, you know, have a little vacation. But other than that, like, you know, I'm feeling good. Happy to see you again. Second week in a row. Most definitely. You wanted to come back. The yeah. people wanted you back. Yeah, I liked it. So it was, you, a, it was what, a good what did you like about it? It just it just gave me the opportunity to open up. You know, a lot, a lot of people that listen to it that I'm close to, they was just like, I ain't never heard that part of you. Oh, my gosh. You. you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because, you know, I'm not like just a vocal person when it comes to that type of stuff unless I'm asked. You feel me? Really? I don't have no problem saying it because, you know. Uh, yeah. But they were just like, I ain't never heard that about you. I don't know why you never told me and everything. And how, how did they receive what you what you stated last well, week? Well, well, I got got I got a, a lot of good reviews from people who listen to it and everything. They text me about it. Yeah, and I was just like, all right, bet I'm gonna do it again. I got <laughs> some uh, some good reviews too. People were like, "Yo, this is amazing! Uh, you have to have that young man. You have to have that young man back on." And look, it's, our, it's already here. All right, y'all. It's time for hot takes, where we run down some of the week's top headlines here in the city of Detroit for hot takes. Civil rights groups want Detroit to stop water shutoffs and extend a moratorium. A group of civil rights organizations want the city of Detroit to not disconnect Detroiters from water after a moratorium on residential shutoffs ends this year at the end of this year. And they took their request to federal court, the coalition that includes the ACLU, the Legal Defense Fund and Michigan Poverty Law Program filed a motion in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Michigan Monday on behalf of plaintiffs who are part of an ongoing 2020 lawsuit that says water shutoffs have for years harmed residents and calls for a long term solution to the program. They want the court to enter a preliminary injunction that will prohibit the city of Detroit from stopping water service for debt collection and as a response for non-payment of water bills, according to court filing. In March 2020, Michigan required utilities to restore services and not conduct shutoffs for non-payment during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, the city has extended moratorium later that year, vowing to find a long-term solution to stop shutoffs for low-income Detroiters. Now, the plaintiff's question the accessibility of the Lifeline plan and in court filing raised concerns about the high probability, if not certainty, that large numbers of Detroit residents will, for various reasons, fail to enroll in the program and thereby render themselves susceptible to shutoffs. Among the people who may be unable to access the program, they list, say, uh, they list that people who don't have access to technology, large families who exceed the water usage limits of the plan and those who have insecure immigration status, according to the filing. Orlando, what say you about all of this? I'll say this to this. I think that where there is political will to do something for equity, where there is political will to help poor people, where there is will to secure and protect the public health of everybody, this sort of thing is sort of easy to curb, right? To extend moratorium or to figure out a plan that is actually truly affordable for poor people in the city of Detroit or automatically enroll folks who we know qualify, right, into some of these programs uh, that will, you know, help curb, you know, collections, you know, happening to them. So one of the things that I really want, 
like our city and county to do, I want their systems to start talking to each other. If I am a resident who is through the city of Detroit's assessor's office, a beneficiary of the HOPE program, that is the homeowner's property tax uh, exemption assistance program, if I'm automatically a beneficiary of that program, why can't that translate to the water assistance program? I mean, can't we input systems that make sense? What happened to um, uh, this this really grandiose plan that was announced by Mayor Duggan, who said that he was bringing on a former city of Detroit health department director, Dr. Abdul El Sayed. Some of our listeners may remember that to come up with the plan is the lifeline plan that and do we have any uh, any any surveys, any kind of um, data showing the efficacy of the Lifeline plant and the usage of the Lifeline plant? I would like to see it. Until then, uh, the ACLU, along with this coalition of people, is asking the city of Detroit not to use uh, water shutoffs as a debt collection. Here's the question that I have, TJ. If you shut off the is the city really saving money if they shutting people people's waters off? Like I really want to know. Like how what's the what's the balance sheet look like for the city of Detroit if they leverage water shutoffs as a debt collection tool? Does it balance the budget? Does it you know what I mean? Is there more money in the pocket of the city? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. We may mm-hmm. have to FOIA it, but I think it's a good question to ask. How much money are y'all actually saving if y'all going to be cutting people's water off, right? right? And as we head into the winter months, it just seems like a humanitarian crisis right. to cut people's water off. Water off, And so hopefully uh, the city and this lawsuit, lawsuit figures out you know, what to do. TJ, you have anything to say on this? Uh, I don't. I, I, me personally, I don't think that makes sense. It's not like really a because y'all shutting water off, and they say it's saving them money because the water shut off. I don't know. It's they're they're leveraging water shutoffs as a debt collection tool. So people who owe on their water bills, if Are they're you, not oh, paying, they're gonna sh- the water they're going to cut the water off. And so I'm wondering, since you're no longer rendering that service to that household, is are you balancing the budget? You is it, so, no is it contributing to the bottom line? That's the question. I don't know if they're not yeah. getting like, you know what I mean? Like that is that a, is that a good question? Sarah producers in here. She's not in her head. Like, yes, it's a good question. We'll ask that question for hot takes. Y'all core city organizes opposition to concrete crushing facility. Have you heard about this? Residents of the core city neighborhood gathered around a fire to rally against plans for a concrete crushing facility near their homes and urban farms. Provisions LLC, a Troy-based real estate developer, is advancing a plan to city officials that will permit a concrete crusher in Core City. The site is zoned for heavy industrial use, and so that means that concrete crushing on the lot is actually allowed. But residents are demanding that the city rezone the land to protect an area which is also home to a residential community. Farms, 
gardens, and several locally owned businesses. Detroit's Buildings, Safety, Engineering, and Environmental Department, BC for short, held a public hearing in November to consider an application from parcel owner and provisions president Murray Wakal to crush concrete at the Lawton site. BC is expected to decide on the permit before the end of December. Approximately 20 residents attended last month's public hearing to urge officials to deny the permit due to the threat of noise and dust pollution. Some Detroiters are concerned about air pollution in the city where the asthma rate is three times that of the state of Michigan and it disproportionately affects black residents. Opponents say approval of the project will jeopardize the health of black residents that have lived in the neighborhood for decades. The community is also the future site of the Pope Francis Center, a new housing campus for people experiencing homelessness. While B.C. considers the permit application, residents are crafting a plan to ensure the site is never used for concrete crushing or other industrial activities they believe will harm the neighborhood. Options include purchasing the land, asking the city council to change zoning, or if all else fails, filing a lawsuit. District 6 Council Member Santiago Romero told Bridge Detroit she would absolutely consider advocating for a zoning change. And right now, that area is zoned for heavy industrial use. Here's what I would say to that. I think that a lot of our health outcomes are socially determined. Right. Mm -hmm. When you live in a society where your zip code determines how long you would live, we absolutely have a problem. People in District 6 that also include Southwest Detroit have been contending with corporate polluters and uh, small business based polluters for years that have resulted in disparate health outcomes for children, high asthma rates in children and in adults. And that is a primarily people of color area. Mm -hmm. uh, our Hispanic brothers and sisters and, uh, you know, a huge immigrant community, as well as our black brothers and sisters are disparately affected by these kinds of facilities. And I wonder this, Sarah and TJ, would could would and could anything like this go in a gross point? No. Will it happen? Right. Could mm -hmm. it go in a Sherwood forest? Will that happen? Right. Where there is wealth, where there is organizing. Right. Where there is political will and power. Something like this would never happen. Now, on BridgeDetroit.com's uh, um, uh, Instagram page, you can see a video that we posted that shows you what concrete crushing looks like and the amount of dust that I believe will permeate beyond the facility into residential areas is um, exorbitant. Yeah, and asthma so, is not rare. Like, asthma is not rare. It's not rare. I have asthma. Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, oh, my, my goodness. All my siblings have asthma. Yeah. And so if you look at if you look at these areas in District 6 and even in, you know, in District 4, uh, I helped uh, launch a program in District 4 called Build Health. And what we were looking at were, number one, the social determinants of health in District 4 in a 48213, 48214 uh, zip codes, right? Mm -hmm. And we looked at some of what was happening, right? We have a chemical plant in District 4, right? We have a, a big automotive plant yeah. in District 4 that is uh, it's now Stellantis. It's no, it's no longer uh, Fiat Chrysler. And we were trying to figure out how we can help curb uh, asthma rates, type 2 diabetes, 
obesity and heart disease, right? Mm-hmm. And so we d- we determined that we needed to come up number one with really really tangible. Um, interventions that will leverage, I don't know, like the park to help folks lose weight and get out and get their heart rates up and begin breathing normally again, but also mount a campaign um, in a relationship with people like Stellantis, uh, people like PVS Chemicals over there to have mm-hmm. these conversations about how their their plants are affecting adversely the surrounding neighborhoods, right? This is a fight that is almost always disproportionately uh, quarterbacked by black and brown people. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's crazy. So um, as people are getting ready to go on vacation, right, what I don't want to happen is when people begin to look away and focus on themselves and their families and celebrating this holiday before uh, the city closes up for the, uh, for the holiday, BC goes ahead and like, passes this this request for provisions against the residents will i really hope that doesn't happen but we've seen it happen with this council that we are contending with lately we've seen it happen in other city departments where votes and things like this will be delayed because there is you know an outpouring of 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 dissent Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll delay it. Right. Until people get busy and begin to do something else. And then we'll hear about this vote that passed the very thing that folks have been fighting against. And so good luck to the residents in Core City. I'm thinking of uh, my friend uh, Cornetta Lane Smith, who started a long time ago, back in 2015, I believe, Core City Stories, when uh, folks begin to, you know, move into Core City and want to rename that neighborhood. Right. And she was like, no, our neighborhood has a name and our neighborhood has character and our neighborhood has history. And so I'm going to teach you by storytelling. She started Core City Stories. I wonder what Cornetta Lane Smith would say to this concrete crushing plant. You have asthma. Mm-hmm. You couldn't live over there, could you? Not at all. That's the uh, that's the main reason why I couldn't play sports. Um, but until my twelfth grade year, yeah, because my bad asthma, really bad asthma. Wow. Yeah. All right, y'all. So that does it for today's hot takes. If you have topics that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our socials at Authentically Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at Authentically Detroit at Gmail. When we come back, we're going to be talking to TJ about his experience and the impact that having two incarcerated parents has had on his life, his present and his future. Keep it locked. Authentically Detroit will be right back. Bridge Detroit is your news and engagement platform that is telling the stories of Detroiters rooted by community priorities. Started in 2020 by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Stephen Henderson, the newsroom has already established its footing as the go-to source for hyper-local perspectives that asks the hard questions, brings accountability, and searches out real solutions. It's free to become a member of this award-winning news organization. Visit BridgeDetroit.com today to sign up to receive the news delivered right to your inbox. Bridge Detroit, by Detroiters, for Detroiters.
Have you always dreamed of being on the airwaves? Well, the Detroit Eastside Engage Podcast Network, or DEET for short, is here to make that dream a reality. Located inside the Stoudemire, the DEET Network offers studio space and production staff to help get your podcast idea off the ground. Doesn't take a whole lot of work to get started. Just visit the Authentically Detroit page at ecn-detroit.org or call Sarah at 313-948-0344. All right, we are back with Southeastern graduate and soon-to-be Mississippi Valley State University graduate T.J. Edwards. He's also a rapper. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why we didn't put that in the intro. You might have to spit something for us before we leave. No, I can't freestyle. I'll probably, oh, I'll probably spit you a written, though. All right, give me a written something yeah, a little later then. Okay. If you caught last week's episode, then you already know that T.J. was the very first <laughs> first young person to join the Vault Teen Center at Eastside Community Network. We talked about uh, bringing you back after graduation, but here we are just one week later because he was so popular. TJ, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. So, yeah, in last week's episode, you mentioned that your mother and your father uh, are incarcerated when you were mm-hmm. just um, a toddler. And later on, your father uh, was incarcerated as well. Before we got started, you mentioned that uh, you are for the second year in a row, going to be dressing up as Santa Claus and passing out gifts to children of incarcerated parents. So I wanted to talk to you, number one, about your experience as a child of incarcerated parents and how that experience is the impetus for you wanting to help out other young folks who are, you know, who are experiencing, you know, the same the same thing that mm-hmm. you're still experiencing because both of your parents are still um, incarcerated. So let's start from the top. What was it like, you know, growing up? You said uh, your uh, parents have been incarcerated since you were My mom. younger. Your mom. Yeah. yeah. So um, really, you know, you, you don't really notice. And they, they used to lie to us and tell us that my, uh, my mom was in college. Whatever. So she I went. never wanted to go to college because I was you younger. Because you, you didn't think you would yeah, come back? Yeah, I was back. like, I don't never see my mama. Like, oh, she at school. Okay, I don't want to go to school. She like, went to school. How old were you when she went to I was school? Like, to school, I, went, I was like probably one or two. Wow, so you don't you won't even remember. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't like, it really didn't bother me at first until I started seeing everybody else with their mother. So when did you start seeing everybody else with their mom? Middle and when school. Did, in middle, middle, middle school actually bothered so, me. So sixth grade, mm-hmm. you're in sixth grade. And you are seeing your your classmates come to events and you're seeing their parents come up to the school mm-hmm. for parentage conference and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, and that set and that awakened what in you? It it really just like kinda of jealousy. I used to be jealous of the kids who had their uh, their mom and everything. But I had I, I have a great stepmother though. Uh, yeah. Ebony, I have a great stepmother. So it, it wasn't like a always, all right, I'm just so sad about this because I always had her, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it was like, all right. She has her home. She has her own kid too. You know what I'm saying? Who's her actual daughter has another father. Everything that's not my dad's kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like she got her mom and dad. I used to be jealous of her. Like you know what I'm saying? And it, it really used to bother me. I didn't even notice until I got older. So being in sixth grade, I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you, you got your mom. That's your real. You know? And it got so weird that we, me and my sister, we used to be in school together, whatever, and it was cool. You know what I'm saying? She used to beat people up for me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we was in class with this girl. You know, my uh, my mom was in prison for murder, or whatever. So we used to um, we was in class with the person who our mother uh, murdered, her niece, mm. and we never knew it until she said something about it. And I used to be kicking it with a girl for like the whole year. And at the end of the year, she was like, "Yeah, you know your mama killed my auntie," and I was mm. like, "Huh?" 
You feel me? Because we never put our business out there. So, you know what I'm saying? We never talked about why our mother isn't here, none of that. So for her to say that, it was like, we were just so, I was just so cool with her. It was like, I felt weird about it because nah, you knew this this whole time and you knew who I was this whole time and you was, you know what I'm saying? She liked you. She wanted to be your friends, right? Yeah, I could I could not talk to her after that. So let me ask you this question. I want to ask you about, you said the, the main feeling that you were feeling was was jealousy. Jealousy. Is is that was that emotion now that you're older? Was that a misplaced emotion? What was it that you it felt like jealousy back then? But what was it for it, real? It was really just I was missing something that everybody else had. You missed your mom. Yeah, like literally that's what it was. And I used to see her every now and then, but I didn't see her as often as I should have. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. And that's just dealing with the the, the adults over me, so everything. So it was mm-hmm. just like it all used to be weird. You know what I'm saying? Even having pictures of us when we was a baby, you with her. Mm-hmm. And like it's like the gap is crazy because like we had pictures with her when we was a baby, and then uh there's no pictures at all, and then we go on a visit. All right, it's a picture. I'm like 14, mm-hmm. no pictures at all. It's a visit when I'm 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? So you you went long. Yeah, it's like long time. periods of time without seeing her. And it, was, it it really used to uh, affect me differently to where I didn't even like even want to talk about that type of stuff. You get what I'm saying? What's your first memory of your mom? My first memory of my mom. Mm-hmm. My first memory of my mom was probably like. Um, she used to give me celery with peanut butter on it, mm. whatever. And I really got it from my aunt. My aunt used to do it. So. so your first memory of your mother, this is powerful. Your first memory of your mother is your mom being your mom. Yeah. I We used to go. They, Outside. They used of, to have a, a one day with God camp where they, we used to go see our mama. Uh-huh. And we used to spend a whole day with her or whatever. So mm. she used to braid my hair and do all that stuff. And I was like. Eight, eight years old, seven, eight years old, and he, so that was cool, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I would leave. I cried every time I had to leave. And I only went to the one day with God camp like three times. So mm-hmm. it was like, it's like it was good, but it was hurtful at the same time because I was only there for what eight hours, just a day. Yeah, and it was. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm thinking my mama's, you know, what I'm saying she come home with us and she not like. So they used to make me like, make it worse. Did these um the this 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 feeling of like hurt and missing. Follow you into your young adulthood? Yes. And again, I didn't realize until it did. Even with my uh my father being um locked up when I was ten when I was in tenth grade, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I didn't first one, my pops, like he, he like I said before, he a good father and everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when he left, like that was like the all right, what you finna do? You know what I'm saying? Because I was still with my stepmama, you know what I'm saying? But even though I knew her since I was a you know, since I was little and everything. It was like, all right, but I don't have none of my real parents. Like, I'm just here. I felt like I was, like, literally the only one in the house that was just no parents, which I was because my sister ended up leaving the crib, too. So mm-hmm. I ended up leaving, like, the house. And I even told, you know, I talked to Tanya. But that's how, old, how old were you when you left the house? Tim Gray. That's, you just left the house. Yeah, I left. Like, it, it, me and her was getting to a lot of that, – that's when I started playing football. I wasn't allowed to play football because my asthma. But when my pops left, it was like, can't nobody take what to do no more. So I played <laughs> football. But it was something positive for me to do, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't yeah. have – it was either that or be – I felt like I was going to be depressed or being at the crib all I said, I didn't want to do all that. So I just played football because everybody else I hung around was doing it. Mm. And that really just helped me. And then I uh, ended up coming to the vault. You know what I'm saying? But that was the same year. I was with, I was uh, at my different friends' house, uh, Antoine, Kareem, uh, Damari. Just surfing. Surfing. The, the twins. I'm at their crib, sneaking in their back door. You know what I'm saying? You know, I never even talked to them like on a boyfriend, girlfriend level. But that was just my friends. I used to spend at their house. Wow. Literally. So that that's really what that's when I noticed it started affecting me though, cause like I was like, all right, I don't even have no place there at the house, cause my parents aren't there. So you felt misplaced. Yeah, I felt misplaced for real, like misplaced, not even in the house, but just like 
period. Cause I didn't, I didn't even know if I had a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, what I'm gonna do now? Like, I felt like even though uh, she probably would never have done that, but I felt like my stepmom was probably gonna just leave or. I had a fear of her getting another boyfriend, and then I had, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I was like, I can't, I can't even be at the house. So how did you fight through all, all, all of this happening? Right, uh, your dad going to prison in the tenth grade. This feeling of misplacement or displacement. Uh, this hurt that you feel. This, this wanting to belong and this missing of your parents. And like, how did you fight through all of that to say? Okay, I still get, I still got to do something with myself because you have every reason to be downtrodden, to be depressed, to wallow um, in this trauma that you are experiencing. Did did you know that you were in active trauma when you were experiencing it? Mm-mm. And okay, it was did, just happening. Like, when did you it, realize it? It really, it like I said, like it really helped that I was around the right people, around the right friends, around everybody who's involved with ECN and everything. That mm-hmm. helped too because. You know, sometimes when you when you feel like it's like stuff missing, you need people to feel that in. Like and like I said, y'all feel that in for me. Like you know what I'm saying with being always being around, be having a positive uh, attitude. Everything is nothing negative going on to where I don't feel like I can't be here either. You know what I'm saying? That helped a lot in building my, my actual character. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's really what it was that helped me stay sane or help me stay positive to where I don't feel like I just can't be. Because you know a lot of people stuff happening in life they be mad at the world like. Literally mad at everybody because it's stuff happening in their life. You know what I'm saying? I, I I never wanted to be one of those people because you didn't do nothing to me. You didn't do nothing to me. Why would I be mad at y'all? Why would I show y'all a negative side of me that I don't even want to see myself? Yeah. Just because what's happening in my personal life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do understand. But you want to know, one of my, one of my, my really only memory of you as a kid was you were this jovial, happy, <laughs> go lucky kid, always dancing. <laughs> always just like up in everybody's face like being you know being with a being you know being you know this really happy kid i would have never known that you were faced with all that you were faced with uh without you telling us yeah was was that for real or were you coping uh coping but it's like a it was like a healing you know what i'm saying me being around everybody was i was actually healing myself cuz i was around the right people Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I could have been around like a lot of that. Like I said, you know, everybody got their own family stuff that go on. You know what I'm saying? Everybody family not perfect, so I could have been around the wrong people. You know what I'm saying? That I actually grew up with and did this and that just because you know what I'm saying my people weren't here. I felt like all right, bet I'm gonna do this. No, nah, I wanted to do the right thing still because like you know what I'm saying people be dying. You feel me? Then I got younger siblings. That always would. That's that's really what drove me because I got younger siblings. You feel me? Then I didn't really have a lot of people to look up to. So me being around good people, that that's what I wanted to do. That made me feel good. Even like the the Curtis Blackwells, the uh, the Jennifer Smiths, all you know what I'm saying. That, that, that really pushed me to be a better person. You know what I'm saying? Because it 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 brings positivity. You never know that. You never know what you need until you got it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, uh, number one, I think this conversation is going to give um, language to. So many people here in the city of Detroit mm-hmm. and whomever is listening around around the United States and the world for that matter, because we got listeners all over the world, <laughs> um, uh, voice to their experiences, especially black folks. I don't think you can go to any black family and ask them, do you have a family that, you know, are behind bars? And they be right. like, nah, we mm-hmm. don't. Like, I think we all, you know, we, we all have we all have that. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one of the things that that I personally contend with, and you know, the listeners know this um, well, is that you know I have two brothers who are in the carceral system. Mm-hmm. My oldest brother and my younger brother, right after me. My oldest brother has two children, mm-hmm. right, um, and he uh, he went to prison when they were very young, right. Mm-hmm. And I often would try to sort of like, you know, ascertain and fill out, you know, just how they're feeling, right? Um, show up uh, for them when, whenever I could. I remember always taking my little niece to the father-daughter dance because her mm-hmm. dad couldn't, right? Um, but I always also felt like, ah, I wonder if this is enough. Talk to me about the community of people that stepped in when your parents went away. And was it enough for you? Could they, you know what I mean? Like, I feel sometimes just like inadequate trying to step in for my brother uh, mm-hmm. while while he is away. What Was it enough? Was it ever enough? Could like it ever I, be enough? Like I said, my stepmom, Ebony, like she filled in. Like, I wouldn't say that she, like when I was younger, I really didn't appreciate it that much. But I didn't know how much I would need it because it was just my fire would have been different. You know what I'm saying? Even though he had like he got different big mamas and everything, but that was like the lady that actually raised me, you know, next to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So she like actually filled in my mom's place, and I didn't even know. But in know, a real way, yeah, that's why I never disrespected her. I never disrespected no I adult that woman. That's right. Yeah, like, I never disrespected no adult in my life. So you know, her being, I actually respect her. You know, and I still be with her. Like you know what I'm saying? I do everything she asked me to do just because how much I appreciate her. Because you know, a lot of people who who have, I'm not the only person who's who both parents are locked up. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people don't have somebody to fill in for those places that's empty. I actually had somebody to fill in for my mama who actually treated me like their son, who never actually wow. just was like, oh, no, you my stepson or you my, you know what I'm saying, baby daddy son. You know what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. never that type of situation. So I actually felt like I was, at, you know, at home until, like I said, he left. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, you can't find no other dad. You know what I'm saying? You, you, my pops, his girlfriend, you know what I'm saying, he, that for a long time, that became my stepmom, but you can't find no other dad because, you know what I'm saying? All you can have a stepdad. I can't have a stepmom and a stepdad. That's why I just left. It was, I feel like I was like misplaced. I was like I, was, I ain't had nowhere to go. Mm. You feel me? So I was really around the people who actually, and then, it, you know, her dealing with that too, with him leaving, her, she having to raise all the kids. She, you know what I'm saying? Her attitude started to change and I couldn't really be around it. That's what. That's the reason I left and everything. You know what I'm saying? We still talk about it. I talk to her about it and everything because I don't want it to be no you know, elephant in the room and all that about why I left and everything. I just couldn't be, I don't want it to be around all positive. All positive energy. How did you? How did you like sift through all of what was going on and come to the decision? Like, I'm going to college and I'm going to play college ball. Yeah, I never really had a dream of going to college. I I really didn't think football would have took me this far. Because when did it become a dream to go? It became a dream when I was there. Like <laughs> when you got there? Yeah, when I got there, I was playing. I was Get playing out. high school. Wow. Like literally, I love going to practice in high school just so, like. I can be there for a long time and then come home and go to sleep and wake up but go back to school. Even when I left the house, uh, and I didn't come back. I, I wasn't answering Ebony calls and everything. She came to the school. I was in school. You know, a lot of people run away and they just don't show up. No, I was at school. I'm doing, you know, I'm in uh, seventh hour. They calling my name down to the office. I already knew it was up. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, nah, you know, this is what I, I like being here. Like, I want to be here with, with people who make me feel, you know, who make me happy, who make me laugh, everything. You know what I'm saying? Even looking forward to going to practice later on, even though it's cold, it's brick outside. I'm still at practice. We 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 got to practice late too. That's why I loved because I walk home from Southeastern and I get there about ten o'clock. 
And then she'd be at the door like, why you coming in so late? I'm like, cause anybody picked me up from practice. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's really what the feud came. The feud came back because I was getting home <laughs> you late. <feud> him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, why you you can't keep, you can't keep coming home late and everything. And I'm like, well, you know, ain't nobody picked me up from practice, so I had to walk. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I wasn't tripping. But I actually, I enjoyed it. Like, I wanted to be, that's so where I wanted beca- to be at. it became your dream when you started doing it. Yeah, but after high school, I was still not in high school. I was just, just passing time. Passing time in high school. Yeah, then being at the vault, that actually helped too. Because, all right, at the, at the practice, we at the vault. Or at the, after the vault, we doing this and that. We still come home late. I was so happy. You know what I'm saying? I was just, <laughs> happy not to be yeah, home. Ha- yeah, happy to be there. <laughs> you feel me? I'm coming yeah. home late. I go, I wake up. Right, like school, That's so many schedule. kids' experiences, though. Like when it's not all bliss at the crib, they, yeah. they, you know, you gotta find a different time, outlet. You can't different be, outlets. You can't sit in the same sorrow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, what I'm saying? especially when you know a lot of people change. Like even as parents, you change. Like even I, when I talk to her and how she raised the kids now, it's different. Sometimes I call her soft and everything because how, how she my, was hard on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, but it's she like she, you know, up. you really gotta change with the times and understand kids are different. You can't raise all kids the same. Some kids need to be raised different. You feel me? Because some kids got different mental stabilities or or different mental capacities where you gotta deal with them in certain ways. That's how I had to work with like even my little siblings. You know what I'm saying? My little brother, I gotta treat him different than I treat my little sister. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just because how how much they can take. You know, you know, not all of our fathers gone, so you can't really be the person. I'm trying to step in and not just be a father figure, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying? Actually help them. You, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. but they, me being a negative person or me being always being, all right, you can't do this. Nah, 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 that's not helping them because I'm supposed to be like they father gone like mine, so I wouldn't be the person so like that make them run away. Positive reinforcement, yeah, like yeah. So let showing them, and modeling, like modeling yeah, behavior. let them know that let them know that they good, like you know what I'm saying. They got them, even the siblings that I don't even get to talk to every day. That's my different baby mamas and everything. Yeah. I still text them, make sure you know what I'm saying, make sure they straight. You know what I'm saying. I still love y'all. Ooh, ooh, I see y'all. I'm trying to do this and that. I'm trying to get all my siblings together, and I actually got to get a rental like a van or something. Cause there's so many of them. You need a sprinter. No, like, seriously, like <laughs> seriously, I got like 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 thirteen siblings. It's thirteen of you guys. Yeah, my like, goodness. So I, I'm like, I, I gotta get a sprinter, take all of them airtime, and they and really all of them really young. I only yeah. got four older than me. So. Let's put a, let's put a button on this dream conversation. Mm-hmm. So you go to Mississippi Valley. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you in. Ended up there. How did you end up Y'all, there? Oh man. <laughs> it was us. Yeah, it was, being it, at the vault. And then okay. uh, t- right. I remember Tanya called uh, Jennifer Smith up there yeah. to help us with college. And she used to get so mad at me because I, I just was playing around. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't know what a fast food was. I didn't know what Greeks were. I didn't know nothing about HBCUs. Yeah. I was just chilling. So you were at Mississippi Valley yeah. State University. Mm-hmm. And you... you you Did you have to uh, try out or you walked on? I walked on. You walked on. Okay. Straight up. Walked on. And you realize this is the dream. Mm-hmm. Take us to that moment. That's really what it was. I came down there for a visit. You know, I'm from the city. So being in the country, it was like, oh, okay, hold on. It's religious. You know, it's, the cricket's big. The roach is big. The mosquitoes are oh, huge. Gosh. I'm like, ah, this ain't the place for me. <laughs> I got down there. It's 100 degrees, like flat, like straight up 100 degrees. I came down there. You know, I came down there trying to be the crispiest one there. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I came with jeans. Uh, wasn't nobody wearing jeans down there. I didn't mm-hmm. see no jeans my whole freshman year until like parties and everything. It was all shorts and tank top, literally, <laughs> and flip flops. <laughs> I swear, hot. that's what I started. I started. I, I, I came. I had like a a long sleeve on jeans and man. I came back to my dorm, whole shirt to, wet, had pants sweaty, everything. I'm like, bro, nah, nah, this not it. But that really being there, it made me like, especially being around my teammates and everything. It really made me like appreciate life for real, cause like. People at the crib wish they could have the opportunity. 
And that's all I ever wanted was an opportunity. And that's mm-hmm. like every aspect of life. So me being mm-hmm. there, I'm like, all right, bet. I got to take advantage of this. You know what I'm saying? Even all the downfalls, all the, you know what I'm saying, the surges and everything, I still appreciate it because that made me who I am today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And dealing with the parents and everything, I always was like envious of people who who parents came in their game, supported them, did this and that, had their shirt mm-hmm. with their jersey on. Yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? The text for the game. Well, yeah, make sure you do this and that. I really like envied that, you know what I'm saying? It was like, all right, that's something I, I know I never have from like my actual parents, you know what I'm saying? But that made me go harder, cause like, you feel me? I can't, I can't, and that make me not, I, I don't wanna do nothing illegal. Like I don't wanna do nothing that, that's gonna make me not be here. You know what I'm saying? Even for kids I might have or my siblings, like I, I wanna go to my little brother track meets, my little sister gymnastic competition. You know what I'm saying? I wanna be there for that cause I know that they father might not be able to be there you know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Depending on his situation. So I don't want to, I always wanted to do better. You know what I'm saying? Cause just cause of what I be going through or what I'm still going through cause I'm actually still in college. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I never get to experience the parents with the jerseys and everything and that. But I'm not even jealous of it no more. You know what I'm saying? I had to grow to like, all right, everybody likes different. Yeah. Wow. Listen, uh, you're listening to Authentically Detroit. And when we come back, we're going to talk to TJ about him dressing up as Santa Claus and passing out gifts to children <laughs> of incarcerated parents and how you can help make this happen this year. Keep a lock. Authentically Detroit. We'll be right back. Bridge Detroit is your news and engagement platform that is telling the stories of Detroiters rooted by community priorities. Started in 2020 by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Stephen Henderson, the newsroom has already established its footing as the go-to source for hyper-local perspectives that asks the hard questions, brings accountability, and searches out real solutions. It's free to become a member of this award-winning news organization. Visit BridgeDetroit.com today to sign up to receive the news delivered right to your inbox. Bridge Detroit, by Detroiters, for Detroiters. Have you always dreamed of being on the airwaves? Well, the Detroit Eastside Engaged Podcast Network, or DEET for short, is here to make that dream a reality. Located inside the Stoudemire, the DEET Network offers studio space and production staff to help get your podcast idea off the ground. Doesn't take a whole lot of work to get started. Just visit the Authentically Detroit page at ecn-detroit.org or call Sarah at 313-948-0344. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Authentically Detroit. We are back with TJ Edwards, rapper, Southeastern graduate, soon to be Mississippi Valley State graduate, TJ Edwards. Man, uh, the conversation with you uh, for the second week in a row has been absolutely fascinating. I want to talk about uh, this initiative that you started last year. But before uh, we get to that, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, how are your parents doing? Right. Uh, and the second question would be, how's your relationship with each of them now? But how are they doing? Because they're humans mm-hmm. who are. I mean, you know, I can only believe they tell me, but that, you know, everybody try to be in good spirits. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I talked to my pops like he's still here. He called me probably five times a day. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and I chop it up with him by everything. He's a person I can actually talk to. That's why I don't really, you know what I'm saying, have that void that I had because I actually talked to him more than I did when he first. Uh, Got locked up and everything. Mm-hmm. Along with my mother too. I J pair all day. You know what's so funny is that like and my, my my father isn't locked up, but like I remember how my father parented when I was younger versus how he parents as now that I'm an adult. Do you see that difference with your dad is like mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, my dad, my dad, like when I was younger and everything, how he used to raise me and all that. Like, you know, so I used to be parent and everything. <laughs> so you know, we always stayed in the hood and everything. So it was really, it was never really like a, you know, what I'm saying I'm scared. But you know, the way he raised us, like, you know, he taught me how to work, uh, like firearms at a young age, because where we stayed at, what type of life, you know, what I'm saying. And I never was like irresponsible with it. I never took that and ran with it and did some dumb stuff, you know what I'm saying, which a lot of people did. But it was like, you know what I'm saying, he raised me the right way. So when by, by the time he left, it Shout wasn't like, him. yeah, you know, by the time he Shout left. That's a big TJ. You know, yeah, duh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time he left, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't really like messed up about it, about, you know what I'm saying, feeling like he taught me, he taught me carpentry. I, I can build a whole house, like literally. So wow. that's that's really what I, you know what I'm saying, I made it, I paint, do all, everything he taught me. So uh, I get that to him. You know what I'm saying? He, he taught some life lessons before he had to uh, go away, unfortunately. Great. Talk to me about your relationship with your mom. My mom, you know what I'm saying? Oh, because her and my dad used to play music together and everything. They so, are, they're musicians. Yeah. Like, my get mom, out of here. Nah, so seriously. is that where your musical inclination comes mm-hmm. from? Your I used, parents? I used to listen to my, uh, my dad on my songs. All like, he, he got a whole CD. I just Oh, snap. Yeah. And wait, so who? Some, your mom sang? Yeah, she sang good. Like She sang Stop. like, I promise you, I, I got money up. Over, <laughs> over Beyonce, Mariah Carey. I promise. Well, you, you're supposed to say that because that's your mom. She, yeah, she should be the best singer to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Even if it wasn't my mama, I'm telling you, she's gonna blow. <laughs> Before she was my mom. That's when my sister get it from and everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my and sister. you sing a little bit in your rap. Ah, I heard you. I'm like a hummer. You know what I'm saying? But you <laughs> hummer, you rap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you know. And so, little. are you gonna share some of the family gift with us before we close out the yeah, podcast? Yeah, you share I, a little I, something I, with us. I share a little something. With okay. Y'all, you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to talk about water. I want to talk about this initiative that you started last year. Mm-hmm. You are dressing up as Santa to deliver gifts to children of incarcerated parents. How did this start? How did this happen? Well, it started because like last year I was just sitting like it was you know near Christmas and everything. You know I wasn't really in the spirits because you know what I'm saying there's a lot going on and I was like all right I want to do something. Ooh. And I seen it. It was um it was a, a thing on Instagram whatever somebody posted like. Uh, her, uh, well, her mama, uh, somebody's mama died in jail though. And, you know, I felt for. Her. I read the whole little story about it and everything. And I was like, dang, she was young. Or she had like seven kids and everything. She was young. She got killed in jail though, mm. whatever, or in prison. So, uh, I'm like, I gotta do something for kids with incarcerated parents. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, all right. First person, I, first person I contacted my mom, and she sent me a whole list of kids, literally a whole list of kids. And I was like, all right, I don't know if I can do all that. It's wow, like, you feel me? I was kind of out of the budget. You feel me? And everything. And you did this with you started with your own money. Yeah, and then uh, I contacted a broke college student trying mm-hmm. to give back to other folks. I remember mm-hmm. what it was like being yeah. in college. It was it was a struggle. It ain't easy. Struggle bus. It ain't easy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then I, I contacted uh, Jennifer Smith. Shout out to Jen. Mm-hmm. Then I contacted uh, Yusuf. She gave me Yusuf number. Yusuf Bunchy Shakur, Mama Cool mm-hmm. House. Yeah, so he uh, I called him. He uh, we we chopped it up for about five minutes. He was like, "Pull up tomorrow, straight up." And really, the original idea was he, I love Yusuf is a habitual guest on yeah. this show. I love Yusuf. He's a great friend. Yeah, he's he a good guy. He's a yeah. good guy. He told me to pull up. I pulled up. He was like, "All right, bet what you trying to what you trying to match on?" He just matched me literally, like just matched what I had. He was like, all right, bet you, we, we can get the gifts or you can bring them over here. We, we'll wrap them. Get we'll, we'll, out. Straight up. It wasn't no like. So how many young people did you all help 16. last year? 16. 16 kids. You know, it was like seven families. And then like people, some people had like five, six kids. It was crazy. So uh, 16 kids. Uh, I had to I had to get a, a rental. I dressed up as Santa. Like the whole full beard and everything. 
uh, big suit, big coat, everything. Had to, I really, for the first two houses, I had the pillow on my stomach. But carrying all the gifts, I got hot. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big dude. So <laughs> I had to take the pillow out of the stomach. I ain't, you know what I'm saying? It's Slim Santa. You feel me? So I pulled up to the houses and everything. I brought the gifts and everything. And some of the kids actually had COVID. So somehow I couldn't even go in and take pictures and everything. So they were sad about that. And I had to deal with a lot of the mama's crying, having to deal with the emotions. I'm not crying. You are. I'm crying yeah. right now. You know oh what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. So like, TJ, to even have, to have the mind and the the resourcefulness to say hey this is what i want to do uh because this is something that i would have loved to experience mm -hmm. you know growing up and even in high school it's like man that's major bro yeah cause these kids young you know what i'm saying they, yeah it, it was even a couple kids who i wasn't able to get gifts from for because you know they weren't answering the phone and everything but my mom kept pressing me like call this kid some kids like no mom no dad like with the one girl, uh, she had she didn't have a mother or a father, but she was a nursing home. She was disabled. She was my age. Your age. Yeah, but I told her, I told my mom like fifteen and under, but she gave me her number. I I came up there with bought her some gifts, uh, some books. She liked reading. Uh, she got she had a phone. I got her number, and I, I be texting her. You know what I'm saying? She and texts you back. Maintain a relationship. Yeah, like yeah, like y'all are friends. She a good person, like, but her family just left her in a, like a nursing home, and I felt so bad for her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was crazy. So where does this heart come from, TJ? Where you get it from? My goodness. Man, I leave everything, everything up to God. Yeah. You know what I'm it's, it's the heart he gave me. Yeah. So you, you plan to do you plan on doing it again. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though Christmas like what, six days away? Christmas is six days away, but yeah. better late than never. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the Toys R Us in uh, in, in Windsor. I'm like Toys R Us is like closed. You're going yeah. to Canada? Yeah, it's like twenty minutes away. And you're gonna be smuggling uh toys back <laughs> smuggling over the border. <laughs> you better be careful. <laughs> you might gotta come bomb me out, man. You might gotta come bomb me out. I got a little stash in the jewelry for, yeah, for like occasions <laughs> like this. How can people give to this cause? Uh like we're gonna put it in the description of the podcast, mm, but how can people give to this? They, they can call me whatever, you know what I'm saying? I accept whatever, whatever uh they want to donate. If they do want to donate, if you don't, that's fine too. Just uh like a post when I <laughs> what's the number, bro? Uh eight zero eight nine four zero six two eight seven. It's a Hawaii number. Don't be scared, you know what I'm saying? Say it again. Eight zero eight nine four zero six two eight seven. Y'all call that number if you feel compelled to contribute to TJ's mission of making children of incarcerated parents feel special and not left out on Christmas. Cause I think when I was younger, they used to do this thing. I think it's called Angel Tree or something like that. Like with a, uh, where we come to the place and they give us a couple of gifts and mm -hmm. it was like, it's from your mom. So we used to really think it was from our parents. Like, yeah, oh, oh, but it is. It's the, yeah, they like, oh, you still got me a gift. Ooh, it was cool, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I really appreciated that. And I know that like, People who don't have parents, they, that's, that, those gifts that's not coming from your parents because you don't have them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I'm gonna just fill it in. I'm gonna act like I'm Santa. Some some kids were so young they actually thought I was Santa. So uh -huh. I, I had to make sure I keep the beard up, the gloves <laughs> on. And, you know what I'm saying? So I had to actually play the role and talk and talk like I was Santa with the whole ho, ho, ho thing. It, it was crazy. Like it was crazy. Oh man! And they seen Santa drop gifts all the way up to the front door. <laughs> Oh my God! All the way up to the front, though. But you know what? You're combating, you know, some of the some of these feelings that you couldn't put words to that you had back then. Mm -hmm. It was jealousy, but it was really you missing. You know, you, you yeah. were missing your mom. You were uh, missing your dad, right? Mm -hmm. uh, wanting to wanting this belonging, wanted to feel like you belonged to somebody and mm -hmm. had a place, and that somebody was caring for you. You are providing 
to these young folks what you mm-hmm. so desperately wanted someone to provide for you. Yeah, because you know when you, when you don't have someone, or you or you sometimes you don't even realize you don't have someone. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't, so you don't know what it feel like to do have them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You just know there's something missing. And some people sometimes with something missing, people go find the wrong outlets. Like for instance, like for a female, uh, like. My sister, she went and found the outlet, but it was like the wrong male she was talking to because she was trying to look for my daddy in that male, which, you know what I'm saying, which it wasn't him. And she had to deal with a lot of things that mm. came with her leaving what, out. What was your, what's your major at uh, Mississippi Valley? I major in mass communications, broadcasting. Mass, okay. Oh, that's why you're so good at this. Yeah. 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 Are you, <laughs> and you're thinking about going to grad school? Uh, yes. To get a what? A master in social work? Because, yeah. I was going to get a master in engineering. but Okay, that too. <laughs> get the bag, TJ. Get the bag. No, and I still got uh, eligibility for football. So yeah, and you, so you're gonna play. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. So gonna let's get a caravan together with t-shirts. Let's let's make that scene that TJ always wanted to see. I know we <laughs> I know we can't be your parents, mm-hmm. but we love you like you're one of ours. So we're gonna do that. You got to give us the schedule and we going to caravan. That's Sarah, dope. you down? We going to bring Luna. We going to have we going to have <laughs> t-shirts and everything for you oh, to dope. watch you in the game. I'm for real. We going to make that happen. All right. So, are you blessing us with your musical ability? You going you going you know, inspire us. You got something inspirational that you can leave our listeners with? Uh well, something is, something inspirational. You guys or you you know, what you be talking about TJ and your music, man? I mean, look, my music is not like bad music. I make music for all ears. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, All right. uh, I got this one. This song. is an authentically Detroit exclusive. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> TJ Edwards, get ready to bless the mic. Uh, all right, hold on. I got something for y'all. I got something for y'all. Uh, one second. One oh, second. man, you can't come on. This, this is radio. Uh, we can't have that. I'm, I'm not no freestyle person, so uh, <laughs> let me see. Let's see let what this see. uh musical legacy looks like between. <laughs> The amazing people that birthed this amazing right. human. Go. Erwan Pop said I made it. He in jail now. I caught an uplifted spirit and then I fell down. We the ones in the trenches. It felt like hell now. That baby grew up a savage. He in the cell now. Feel like football and writing. It's like my God's gift. Where the hell are supporters? The ones that God sent. Got my hands up and then I'm scared of all this nonsense. Feel like I'm in the corner begging for nonsense. What was you? Why you wasn't at my graduation? Let me mess around and die. I hear you celebrating. What the F are funerals for? Like, why are we celebrating? Because I got shot while a white cop who was, whose life was always lavish, his kids always passing. Ain't never asked for nothing because they already had it. I can't become a man. with my careless A daddy, 240, 6'5", I'm still finding a way to drag me. And it's sad, he got us trapped inside his mindset. We talk about, uh, I can't say that word. I don't want to cuss too much on here, but hey, I'm just, ah, I'm a little rusty. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give y'all a little preview. I'll probably show y'all something <laughs> a little later. A little later, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, I said that's man. it. Little hot, 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 a little take, little eight, was, eight lines. You know, that was hot, man. Eight lines. That was good. If you had you, a beat, if you had a beat for me, it probably would have been a little. You should have said something. I could have, I could have worked something out. Ah. You a poet? Yeah, because that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got to tell you this: that you know, you are, and I know a lot of people, TJ. Mm-hmm. I do, but you seriously are one of the most inspirational people that I've ever met. I appreciate that. Um, The outlook that you have for your present and your future and uh, the love that you have for your community, blood and non-blood, man, like it, it's felt and that love and that energy, that good energy 
it translates and it it comes out of you. It exudes. And I hope our listeners feel exactly what I feel right now. And that is inspiration and gratitude for number one, you sharing your story with us, sharing mm-hmm. your pain, sharing your, your trauma, but also sharing how you are triumphant. Mm-hmm. Right. And still overcoming and becoming It's dope to see. And my only request mm-hmm. after grad school, after graduation, is that you come back to Detroit. I got you. I'm we here. need you here. I'm here. And I'm give here. give your gifts, your talents, your love back to the city that helped raise you. I got you. All right, y'all. You got any shout outs? We getting ready to head out. Uh, I can shout out once again the whole uh, Eastside Community Network that helped me get to where I am today. Um, the whole closing and grab Detroit. Um, shout out to Yusuf, man. He was a big help last year. I probably wouldn't have been able to help the kids how I wanted to if it wasn't for him. Um, shout out to everybody who beat themselves. And it's hard to be yourself in the world for the people who are followers. You know? And so shout out to everybody who got a good heart. That's about it. All right. I want to shout out my co-host who's on vacation, Donna Givens-Davidson. We love you. We miss you. And shout out to you, TJ. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you for you. coming back on. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you after graduation. Yep. <laughs> All right. (laughs) That's going to do it for this week's episode of Authentically Detroit. Stay tuned next week for a compilation episode of all that we've done in 2022. But we will see you at the top of the year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa and all that others of happy holidays. We'll see you in 2023. Catch the wave.